From Suffolk County, New York, this program is sponsored in part by WUSB, Long Island's largest non-commercial free-form radio station. Check them out at 90.1 FM or online at WUSB.FM. Previously on Writers Come Ice Cream. My name is Howard Gunston, and I want to be a writer when I grow up. I got a bad feeling about this. How our family writing started was I wanted my children to keep working during the summer at something. It's accepted. I think the very first thing I said was it's not ready. I think that's what made me really get serious about it. And really what what did it was facing mortality and, and the fact that my parents had passed away. Describe the experience of Ben and Jerry's cookie dough ice cream. Cure for all ales. When I look at something visual, I just put down whatever's in my mind. And then from that, I go line by line, just following my train of thought. That one went really fast. The first draft of the first book was written in a week. First line, a stranger yelled walking past me. Last line, this was something out of a horror movie. Yes, you have this publisher, but you got to work and you got to do your thing. You got to, you got to tweet, you got to Instagram, you got to MySpace and Friendstar. I'm interested in writing a very specific genre, YA. How do we get there? If I kick my ass into gear and write, how do I turn this love of writing into a career? This is Writers, Ice Cream, a monthly craft talk where a pair of writers risk brain freeze to answer one question. What's it take to be a writer? Listener, a few years ago, I shared a piece of writing with my senior manuscript reader, Artie. I thought I was working on the next Tom Clancy novel, a hunt for Red October, if you will. Artie read it and thought of a different book, Harry Potter. That stung for a moment. I mean, a kid's book? But then I thought, I loved Harry Potter. What's so bad about that? And so I looked into the genres of middle grade and young adult and found stories that demanded binge reading, When a moon is kicked out of orbit in Susan Beth Pfeiffer's life as we knew it, I was hooked. When all that stood between morality and post-apocalyptic depravity was a group of kids in Jonathan Mayberry's Rot and Ruin, I was hooked. These are high-concept stories grounded with protagonists that remind me of Teenage Howie, written by authors who haven't forgotten what it was like to live in the temporary infinity of a school year. Authors like Patty Blount. Really? You don't see the problem? What if my father paid you to marry me? I can't stand you. This is Patty reading from her fourth book, Some Boys. Well, you'd have to sleep with me because you'd be my wife, all legal and stuff. It's a YA novel about rape culture, victim blaming, and the courage to fight back. Jax, that's enough. Mrs. Kirby cuts him off before he can call me something worse than a shrew, but it's too late. I know where he was going with this, and so does the rest of the class. I try not to let the pain show, but it's part of me now. It's who I am. To date, she's published six novels across two genres, YA and adult romance. Patty earned her capital W with Send, a YA novel about online bullying told from the bully's point of view. When you wrote Send, mm-hmm. you I think that 
that published in 2012? 2012, that's right. All right, and I, I know I've listened to interviews where you've talked about that it took you six years or so to, to write that book. Yeah. And now you've got like a book coming out every year. You're like the prolific Patty Blount. Yeah. So I'm wondering if you could just kind of take us into the journey of that first book for a moment. Sure. Um, so the first book, I've been writing for many years, probably most of my life, but sadly I didn't take it very seriously. You know, I kind of thought it was something that everybody could do. Y you know, it was just like we all go to school, we all know how to write, we all know English grammar. Mm -hmm. But yeah, I don't know, I just never really thought it was that much of a skill or a talent to pursue seriously. So when you realized that you enjoyed doing that, was that like a high school thing or no, college thing? No, it was younger? way older than that. Okay. Was, I was already in my mid-30s by the time this happened. Listener, once again, I find a mirror to my own writerly journey. I was 35 when I got serious about writing. I'm 40 now, chasing a manuscript as I wind down an MFA degree. And there are times, my friend, when I've sat in class next to writers nearly 15 years my junior, talented, engaging, inspiring writers at the forefront of their own lives, when I wonder if I've waited too long. But then there are authors like Patty Blount who give me hope. I had decided, okay, I think it's going to be really cool. I want to be like, the, I want a book on a bookshelf. I want to walk into Barnes & Noble or Borders or B. Dalton, and I want to see my name. <laughs> On those shelves. The very first thing I had written was a hockey romance, and it was actually on a dare from my oldest son. He got a really terrible report from one of his teachers, and she had said he needs to read more. And he kind of sat there, and he went, but there are no good books out there. I'm like, well, this boggles my mind. I mean, you know, I, I approach reading books as I do chocolate, okay? This is just <laughs> nirvana for me. What do you mean there are no good books? Well, I want murder and blood and mayhem, and I want hockey, and I want heavy metal music, and I don't want baby stuff like, you know, magic. Okay. So if I wrote such a book, would you read it? If you write it, I'll read it. So we pinky swore, and I wrote it. It was called Penalty Killer, and it was... Pretty Which bad. Just a great title. Pretty bad. I don't care what you say about yeah. the end result, but that was, is a great title. It was fun. So I, I actually went over to Kinko's with it, and I had it bound in one of those plastic comb thingies, and I wrapped it up for his Christmas gift. And he loved it. He read it, and then he passed it around to all of his little seventh-grade buddies, and they all got permission to do a book report on it. And then the seventh-grade English teacher sent a note home and said, can I get a copy of this mytho mythological book <laughs> that my students are reading and that I can't find on shelves? So I sent it to her, and she sent it back, corrected. I didn't get a very good score on it either, but it was covered in red pen. <laughs> actually quite insulted by this, but um, the kids loved it, so that was the point. It got them reading, and so I'm like, okay, this is fun. I want to do more of this, and I wasn't very good at the mystery, so I'm like, all right, I'm not going to do another mystery. What else can I write? So I, start, I turned to romance because that's what I like to read. Now, since 2012, you've had at least one book coming out every mm -hmm. year, and some years more than one, right? right? Because with your romance novels yes. coming out. So let's just throw out some statistics here. Let's get technical. Okay. How long does it take you to write a book? Uh, it depends on the story. Uh, so the, the let's see, uh, Some Boys. Firecracker um, winner. The, yes, the Firecracker Award winner. That one I wrote in about seven weeks. That one just poured out of me. All right, I, I really want to just like absorb your essence right now. <laughs> Seven weeks and Seven you won weeks. an award with that. So did that book go through a lot of revisions once you sent it in then? Or yeah. was it really like locked and no, bam? It actually wasn't. In fact, um, this it was. it's a funny story. I pitched that story. I was at some other author's book launch party. <laughs> and yeah, and we shared the same editor. 
and so we were standing in the middle of Barnes and Noble, like having cake. And you know, I said to her, you know, I'm really thinking about writing a rape story. And she went, oh, excuse me, um, yeah, I, I want to write a rape story. She says, how on earth do you want to like tell me more? What does this mean? So I, I was explaining to her how the Steubenville rape case was really yeah. keeping me up at night. And I wanted to write a story where the, the, hero, the heroine is maybe not such a nice girl, but she's a normal teenager. You know, She's flirting with boys. She's wearing clothing that people might raise their eyebrows over. You know, She's being a typical teen, and I don't think she should be on trial for that. And so I want her to be our victim, and I, I want to give her a love interest who is the accused rapist's best friend. And that was what sold her. That was the twist. That's wow. the high concept right there. Right there's, there. There's the twist. So she, she was sold on it. Um, but the problem was this was like, I think, June, and they wanted the book in September. And um, we had a couple of trips coming up. We had our conference in New York City. So I didn't start writing the book until July, and then it was, it was quite literally written in about a little over a month and a half. I have trouble being productive unless I have a deadline in front of me. I have to mm -hmm. self-impose deadlines, otherwise I'm just always just spinning. Are you, did, did the fact that deadline was there, is that kind of what helped you? Or can you just, are you really religious I, about setting your time? You know, I am. I'm, I'm definitely one, I do stick to my own schedules. But some, in, in this case, it did motivate me. Um, in other cases, it's kind of paralyzed me. Okay. Like right now, I'm going through the most incredible writer's block I've ever experienced. But yeah, this book just poured out of me. And I think it, my editor loves to tell people that I write my best work when I am pissed off. And I was pissed over this story. So I think that was what it was. I, I had that, and it was the same with Send. Send was me being angry. Yeah. You know, I, I think when I'm angry, it has to come out somehow, and that's how I channel it. Angry or not, Patty channels that creative muse at a feverish pace. In 2014, she published two books. In 2015, she did it again. Do you intentionally alternate between like YA to romance, or is it just kind of how the opportunities have come up? It's how the opportunities have come up. So like right now, the the Christmas in New York folks, that's uh, the Thule Publishing Group, um, they've, they had asked us for another novel, and I, I can't deliver it this year because I have, uh, I'm con contractually obligated to deliver another young adult story. So I have to does finish that, that one Does that feel pretty cool to be able to say that? Yes, it does. <laughs> It I'm does. sorry. I've it got really another does. contract uh, yes, already. I do. I love, to, I, I love to tell people that, oh, you know, you could talk to my agent or my publicist about that. <laughs> I, love to, I love to do that. It just, it, just sound, it just sounds like I have arrived. Yeah. On this side of the table, being an aspiring novelist and having, you know, this work in manuscript that will just never finish, you kind of always look at, like, well, once I get the agent, then that's the hard part. Or once I get published, yeah. that's the hard part. Or once I get that first book out, that's the hard part. And here you are really on the other side of that. Mm -hmm. You've got this team, and you are an award-winning author. Does it get easier? Or is every book as tough as the it, next one to get the merch going? It does not get easier. I will tell you this now. It does not get easier. It's In fact, it's harder. It's you are crushing harder. me. I'm so sorry to crush your dreams, but no, it's getting harder because I'm finding that I'm just scattered now. I have very little time. You know, I have to be really, really organized. Um, I have a full-time day job. I have two kids, the house, the husband, you know, I've got that whole thing, I have grocery shopping, you know. I, I would love to be able to tell you that yes, I have, you know, garden gnomes that come in at night like Cinderella and they do all her chores for her. 
and you know they go back into the garden at the end of the but that doesn't happen. I still have to do the laundry. I still have to do the grocery shopping and the cooking. And then I got to find time to write in here. Listener, we've been here before. Writers, comma, ice cream, Kathy Lynn Che, Lee Mandel, Matt Siri, and now Patty Blount, authors with a day job. I've got a day job, and I arrive home every day determined to make progress on my book. Then I feed the dogs, have dinner, binge on Netflix, and think, maybe tomorrow night. I need to change that. Five minutes or 90 minutes, I need to make the time count. But with such little time to write, where does one begin? If you're Patty Blount, you begin with the end in mind. That's definitely my process. And, you know, anybody who knows me will tell you I can get lost in, like, you know, a phone booth. I have a, the world's worst sense of direction. And I find, and that's, I think, why it took me so long to figure out how to write my first novel, because I just tried to sit down and wing it. I need to know where that story is going to end, and then I write toward that goal. And that's when I was able to finally finish my first project. And from there, it became easier, like, instead of taking two years to do a draft, that now I can do it in two months, um, because I know what my process is. So as long as I know how, how those characters are going to change by the end of the story, and they have to change, because if they don't change, I'm basically writing a James Bond novel where it's the same character beginning well, to end. you got married once. That's a change. <laughs> so You want to see change. Yes. Yeah. Do, you, do you outline them at all then? I do. I do. I plot religiously. I outline obsessively, um, and I tweak as I go. I don't, I, I'm not married to that outline. Um, I do it just to figure out where that end point is going. Do you map out the arc for all of them before you start? Or I do some of this happen more organically as you get into it? It's a bit of both. It's a bit of both. Um, the main characters, certainly. I have to know what that arc is going to look like for the, for the protagonist, you know, the hero, the heroine. Certainly the secondary characters, when they matter to the main plot. So in those cases, yeah, I, I sit and I figure out what, how do they have to change and what has to happen in order to drive that change forward and what's going to stop it in its tracks. So I need to know all these things before I start writing. Listener, for an author who likes to outline, things are about to get real. Because it's time for the ice cream challenge. In my world, there is only one flavor, and that's anything chocolate. Doesn't matter if it's chocolate chip, cookie dough, doesn't matter as long as there's chocolate in there somewhere because all other flavors just want to be that cool. They want to be that cool. Yeah. So we're going to open up blue, the official cooler. Yeah here at Writer's Comma Ice Cream. And we have chocolate therapy. We're very excited. Thank you for choosing chocolate <laughs> therapy. Welcome to the ice cream challenge. Okay, thank okay. you. Have I explained to you what the ice cream challenge is? No. All right. I'm so, a little scared. Okay, don't be, because ice cream makes everything good. Okay. Here's the idea. This podcast is all about trying to find a way to reveal the writer's process. I tend to feel that when authors are gracious enough to share about their process, often it's kind of like a lot of telling, because how else can you do that? And in writing, it's all about showing and not mm -hmm. telling. So I thought the ice cream was an interesting way of trying to reveal process. As you relish the chocolate therapy, can you think about how you would describe the experience of Ben and Jerry's chocolate therapy for someone that's not eating Ben and Jerry's chocolate therapy? <laughs> That's not an easy question. It's not. Okay. So, actually, for me to do this, you need to know I've been on a special diet. 
<gasps> and you are doing this with me today. I am. I've been doing, I've been trying, I have this disease that I'm trying to control by eating anti-inflammatory foods and of course sugar's on the no-no list, but. If I kill you, I really apologize. Oh, no, no, Please don't die. That would make this really it awkward. It won't kill me. But um, it makes it this much more special because I haven't had ice cream in so long. It's like, you know, a first drink of water after okay. crossing a desert. So we have to take a photo of you <laughs> with your chocolate, with the chocolate okay. therapy here. So, yeah, as I said, it's kind of like having that first drink of water after crossing a desert. Hmm. And it just is, there's, I know it's a little bit too much information, but there's just part of me that doesn't want to let it go. I just want to hold it there in my mouth and enjoy that sensation. Savor it. Savor it for every second. And then at that point, my tongue is numb, so I have to swallow. But yeah, it's... I like how your approach to this is to kind of approach this from what it means to be kind of even just sitting down having ice cream right now. So that's like this water in the desert thing mm -hmm. that you're getting at. I like that. Yeah. No one has, no one so far has described the experience in that it's, way, particularly not invoking it's a the moment. water in a desert. Yeah, it's a moment. Water in a desert. Not bad for an outliner forced to write by the seat of her pants. But what if we give her a moment to collect her thoughts? What might we learn of her process? I mentioned before that part of this is we're looking at process. Mm -hmm. So I would like to show you a visual prompt. Okay. And, um... I'm wondering when you look at that visual prompt, if you might give us what you think could be the first line, if you were to write a story using this visual prompt, okay. and what might be the last line. The first line and the last line. Okay. Yep. So hang on, I am. The way this works, I'm not going to actually share this with listener until the end of the of the season. Okay. Gotcha. So they're not going to have any idea. But each episode they'll hear, and mm -hmm. the idea is for them to then try to start guessing. So there's your visual prompt. Feel free to take a few moments and think about how you might. Hmm. Okay. So let's stick with the young adult. If I go with okay. a young adult version of this, I could. I. I think the first line would be something along the lines of, um, "I tightened my rollerblades and made sure my helmet was in place." That is awesome. And then rolled <laughs> to the edge. Patty. Oh my God, that is awesome. Mm. I could totally see somebody ski jumping off of that. That's all right. And then the last line would be? Ow. <laughs> Ow. Patty writes with the end in mind, and her response to this prompt is no different. But there's a structural choice that she makes. She opens in the head of this would-be skater, first person we call it in the biz. Her published books employ a similar structure. Send, some boys, nothing left to burn, all begin in the head of our protagonist. This is a writer who knows her way into a story. And before we left the WSB studio, I had one more question to ask. Patty, what does it take to be a writer? You don't give up. There are so many times, in fact, I can tell you a really funny story. One of the very first, um, I, I used to belong to this uh, website that's no longer in business. And um, one of the things they had in it was something called the agent's mailbox. Hmm. So what you could do is if you were working on a query letter, you could post your query letter, and they would have agents come and critique it for you. And I remember flying down the stairs going, I'm, that's it, I'm done, I'm quitting. I, I'm giving up because they hate my query. They, they, they don't get it. They think it's bad. <sighs> I just, I, that's it, I'm finished. And I would, you know, drag myself back up the stairs, and then lo and behold, there's another message from another agent who loves it and s disagreed completely with the previous piece of feedback. And now I would fly back down the stairs, going, "Look, look, look! I got a nibble! I got a nibble! She wants to see the manuscript." So, and that's the roller coaster that you're on with publishing. 
the and it doesn't stop. It's every, it's all like I have six published novels now, and I'm still getting rejections. I still get the one star reviews. So I still have those periods of low, punctuated by the periods of high. It's up and down. You don't give up. Patty Blount could have given up after Penalty Killer failed to pass muster for a certain seventh grade English teacher. Instead, she wrote on, and on, and on. Her latest novel, Nothing Left to Burn, was published in 2015 and was listed as a USA Best Book Awards finalist. It's available from the indies like Powell's Books and Huntington Book Review and the giants like Barnes & Noble and Amazon. Listener, if I'm going to make a go at this capital W, then it's time to get serious. That's next time on Writers, Ice Cream and a Different Type of Story with Paul Lawrence. should have invested in scissors. Can I make you chief opener? Already has many titles here at Writer's Comma Ice Cream.